0: Thank you.
1: Fearing woman. Ah! His birth was an unspeakable
0: horror. Please don't let him do that. His life and death have been one incredible nightmare. Ah! But now all that is going to change because Freddy wants to become a daddy. Wanna make babies?
1: What's wrong with me? You just a little pregnant.
0: Even if he has to adopt. No! Do unborn babies dream. When it comes to chills. It happened while I was awake. When it comes to screams. That part just start. When it comes to pure terror.
1: Boom, appetite. Ah! Ah!
0: No one delivers. Like Freddy. Better buckle up. Nightmare on Elm Street. Five. The Dream Child. No, you're you're fucking you're fucked up. Wow. God damn it.
1: I have all my notes from. For I'm like Ron Burgundy at the fucking. Uh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> Ron Burgundy.
0: Do, did you forget to do your how now, Ron? Cow? Damn it! And that
1: was so good up to that point. Um. Let me just start over from the very beginning. Okay. Welcome to Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to movies relegated to a late-night purgatory. And if you are listening to this episode, you have joined us for our Flixtober series, which we, we roll out every October. And this year, we have dedicated our Flixtober series to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Tonight's episode being focused on episode... Uh, movies five and six which are the dream child and Freddy's dead so joining me as always i should mention is adam walker who has returned to the pacific northwest where he fucking belongs
0: yep get out of here They got i got ran out of the midwest because you out. <laughs> yeah they found out how much of a of a shitty dude I was, or they. Not, now that they found out, they remembered. They we ran you out one time, and then you come crawling back.
1: A la and, Freddy, me and the rest of the PTA got together, the punk, the the punk PTA, and we ran you out of town for
0: mm-hmm.
1: molesting our our children.
0: <laughs> Get out of here! So, but I will return, just like Freddy. Just, just never like quite <laughs> never quite completely dead no no uh, you'll have nightmares about me and then I'll I will manifest well how was your trip
1: overall we spent a lot of time together uh, but detail for the folks at home how your return trip to Indiana was
0: well um, my favorite part was when I, I shit in the bed that uh is in Pat's guest room that he's in right now. Daddy made a big mess. (laughs) (laughs) I got got a little partied out when we were watching, uh, we were watching that boxing match. (laughs) That, that (laughs) was that night.
1: The, the Fury Wilder two uh, Fury Wilder three fight. You shit your (laughs) pants that night. I forgot.
0: Yeah. I got real, I got real primed up and just shit myself. Um, yeah, it was fun. I actually was like, you know, really happy to be back and catch up with a lot of people. And I, I did most of the things I wanted to do. I was, I was, I was just, I was like running around the whole time. Nonstop. You were. So, You're- so much, so much so I was so busy that when I got home for like a couple of days, I still felt like I had to get up and run around town.
1: Yeah, and you didn't have to.
0: Didn't have to. Well, I did. I actually did. As soon as oh, I got well. home, I had to go right back to doing things here. So, you know what they say: no, no, re- no rest for the the, the dummies. No rest That's, for the idiots. I think you nailed
1: that. That's exactly how it goes. Yeah, you were yeah. Uh, you were a busy little beaver,
0: a bushy little beaver over here. Um, I had cram- to what- I, I cram six years worth of shit into two weeks. Yeah, and I think you did a, an
1: effective job of making everyone felt cared for and worthy of your time.
0: I try to, even though it doesn't get reciprocated, and people, I got I got chastised from uh, certain people about that. They they said, "Well, you know, if other people aren't making the effort to keep in touch with you, why why do you do it?" I'm like, "I don't know because." I, I guess it's because I care. Well, I, it's, it's so hard
1: to come back to your old stomping grounds and really spread yourself thin enough to make everyone f- feel your touch, your proverbial touch. So never feel, never feel bad for the amount of time allocated. Cause as long as you're doing your best, you know, people can fuck off if they felt like, um,
0: they didn't get enough. They didn't get their patent of flesh as it were. No, this is, this is really what it comes down to. I just like rubbing it in everybody's faces out there. How much cooler I am than, than them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: we Hoosiers love hearing that. <laughs> the coastal elite. We're a, humble. we're a humble people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, but yes, and we had a good time. We, we got to spend lots of quality time together. Yeah, no, nice. it
1: was it was it was really nice.
0: You have a lovely home and a lovely family.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. That that's that's actually very sweet, and I appreciate it. Um, and I appreciated our time together. It was uh, it was lovely. It was good. Well, as they, you know, you said as they say, no rest for the the dummies. <laughs> as Bruce Dickinson would say, uh, "Bring that daughter to the slaughter." <laughs> So
0: saith, so say Bruce. so sayeth Sir <laughs> Sir Dickinson.
1: Sir Dickinson, which is my terrible segue into um, Nightmare on Street Five: The uh, The Dream Child. Um, do we want to try to get into this nutty, this
0: meaty little nugget of a movie? Well, off the top, because yeah. you did bring up that song. One, I don't remember hearing it in this movie. I've never remembered hearing it.
1: Yeah. So for anyone who did not understand my reference, um, the the soundtrack, which has been very metal forward up to this point, um, reaches a a peak here with a (coughs) choking over here with a Bruce Dickinson penned Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter, which would later be re-recorded by Iron Maiden. But the version on this soundtrack is is supposed to be you know, Bruce Dickinson solo stuff. But nary to be found in the actual movie, which is very fucking strange. It's not necessarily a banger of a track that was like, why was this left off? It's like run-of-the-mill Maiden stuff. But yes very strange that it just was left completely out of the movie
0: also has really no i mean has no connection to the the theme of the movie there's you know unless it's are we talking about alice as the daughter because it's it's about a, a son that's being born an not, infant song. not really
1: sure. Maybe Bruce was given very little information as to what the movie was going to be about. And so he just wrote a generically penned kind of kind of song. I don't know. But yeah, it's strange. But um, that to, to start our discussion, that's a good places as any to start, because I feel like it's a microcosm of this movie, which is kind of something that doesn't make a lot of sense (laughs) in the grand scheme of things, which I feel like this movie has in spades.
0: Yeah, so this is the point where... Okay, so we peaked with Nightmare on Elm Street 4, but we did see the telltale signs in that installment of the franchise of things turning for the not-so-good. So, and this is at the point where we're... We're on we're on the down downward slope. We're on the back end slope of the of the uh, success of this series. (laughs) I'd say we peaked with three with Warriors Dream Warriors, because, I mean,
1: I, you know, as as good as as four is, it is a step down from Warriors and, uh, you know, Dream Child, which is five is a step down from Dream Master. So we're we're on the decline here. Yes. Agreed.
0: That, that would be more accurate to say that we did peak with dream warriors three masters on the, on the, the downward slope, but it's still still, a, we're still up there. <laughs> yeah. It's still, um, in terms of, you know, comparing this to other movies in the genre, it's still a strong effort, a fun effort, but yes, nonetheless, a diminishment in quality has, has, has appeared. There's, there's, there is a, a, a rot that has started to take place. It is.
1: There's some rot in this this home inspection. the The wheels, the <laughs> proverbial
0: wheels, are starting to come off. The, but the, the the Thompson house is officially falling apart. We need some mold remediation.
1: Um, yeah. we badly. Well, okay. So Dream Child, directed by Stephen Hopkins, which is hilarious because he would follow this up with Predator Two. Wow. Shout shout out to her boy. Our main man. Um, (laughs) Lisa Wilcox reprises her role of Alice um, and turns out she's been knocked up by old good old Brad Beef Rocket, a.k.a. Dan. Um, And of course, Alice and Brad are the final two survivors from Dream Master. So they're reprising both of their roles. And Freddy uses this as a uh, as an opportunity to <laughs> commandeer Alice's baby in order to devour teenage souls and, and make his triumphant return to Elm Street. Um, released in 1989. It's interesting because this is one of the last uh, slashers um, of the 80s. Uh, it grossed 22 million on a budget of 8 million. So we're already seeing a steep decline in, in box office numbers, especially compared to dream warriors and dream master. Um, albeit still a success. Uh, it was, um, mostly panned by critics. Um, any other tidbits we want to throw in here to set this up before we get into the good, bad and questionable.
0: I will say, even though Stephen Hopkins was at the helm, I was very impressed to not really recognize any hints of racism in this. So I'm glad like (laughs) he got that out of his, he got that out of his system with predator two.
1: Well, yeah, maybe it was all coming to a head here because (laughs) predator two comes out in 1990 and this was released the summer of 89. So like, I mean, he went straight from this, Set to the back lot of his L.A. Uh, set for that yeah. racist fever dream of a movie.
0: He went straight American History X. Yes,
1: that. yeah, he shaved off his white boy <laughs> dreadlocks <laughs> and said, "This means you're not welcome." And pounded his <laughs> his chest tattoo. <laughs> um, okay, well, um, let's get into the good, the bad, and the questionable then. With the good. Um, well, I'm just going to throw it to you because I'm going to be really honest here. Don't have a lot of good. I really hate this fucking movie <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> yeah. So. But I do have good. But I I want to I want to toss it to you. To, I, I, I want you to get the creative juices flowing here.
0: Right. So as we had mentioned with. The previous episodes with each uh, installment of of the franchise that we discussed with those, we generally had what we would call a bloated good, more or less, or maybe more of a, like a I not necessarily a bloated, bloated good with all of them, but like a mostly good with a lot of questions and not a lot of bads. Here, though, that's where I feel like um, it's going to be a little bit of, of, an, of an inversion of that.
1: Yeah, we're not well, going to spend a lot of time in the good. So, no. <laughs> it, it's
0: uh we might as well get like the three good things out of the way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing for sure that stands out with this installment, even almost to a certain extent more so than the other ones for me is the set design is amazing. I really really think that the The set design overall for this movie is something else. It really, you know, at least that much pulls you into the movie. So off the top, that's what I'll say. And I think um,
1: good because I I did not necessarily put that in my good, but that's a good observation because I think actually Stephen Hopkins will use this set dressing uh, capability of his and actually use it to good effect in predator two. Cause I think predator two has really cool set designs too. Like that grandiose like top floor apartment complex that like that dude gets that murdered in and stuff. The subway uh, scenes in predator two, there's lots of really good um, set design in predator two as well. So maybe Stephen Hopkins, That maybe that's his bread and butter.
0: Yeah, for sure. So that's definitely good. Um, what I will say about this is this kind of ties in with the overall atmosphere of the movie. There is like this interesting atmosphere that pervades the movie. And I, I felt like this is the most almost psychedelic and surreal of the series. That was another thing that I kind of got the impression of. Like, there's some pretty trippy kind of moments. A lot of like, especially with like, you know, the instances of. Alice entering her womb and kind of transporting into herself. So it's it's got this otherworldly aspect to it that I feel really could have been utilized more to make it a really We talked we talked about how the second one in the series is very interesting because it's it's a swerve in certain ways and I feel like this one had a lot of potential to also be a you know one that swerved in a different way, but they couldn't quite make it all work together. But that being said, there is that aspect of it. Again, the set design mixed with some of the scenes gives it that surreal hallucinogenic kind of feel to the movie. I don't know if you picked up on that at all.
1: I did. It definitely struck me as, as, as different. I, what I will say is that, um, You know, I think on paper this works a lot, a lot better than in in actual execution because there's just lots of really cool ideas that fall flat, and they just didn't have the means to shoot them. Like the uh, the ultrasound scene is like cool, and then it ventures into bad like very quickly, Um, and it's like conceptually cool. It just doesn't seem like everything. Has a good setup and then just falls flat. Um, I think this was on my good. There was a lot of fun, practical gags unrelated to deaths in this. This is not a death heavy, this isn't like a very fun Freddy death movie. But there's a lot of really fun gags unrelated to that. The Freddy fetus is fucking great. It's like a callback to like, it's alive and like, uh, uh, you know. In, is it in The Fly or The Fly 2 where there's this really elaborate gro- no it's in the original Fly where there's like she has that nightmare of giving birth um, to like that the fucking gross fly baby or whatever lots of really fun uh, disgusting fetus stuff especially the Freddy fetus specifically um, the Freddy seatbelt gag is fucking great but it's just not memorable because it's not part of like an ult- a death ultimately, but it's really cool. I love, I I love when he like t- takes his arm off and uses it to 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 buckle in. That that's really cool and imaginative. Um, Freddie and Alice having like this morbidly deformed conjoined twin bit is is fucking great, and it's it's a callback to to two a little bit when when he's uh like coming out of. Who's the guy into now? I, his name slips my mind, but Jesse, Jesse. Thank you. Yeah. When he's li- literally is coming out of Jesse, it, it's a little bit like that. Um, and also all of the soul kebabs. I had no other way of describing it. The soul kebabs that are like ripping their way out of Freddie's back. All of that is tight. It's all really cool. None of it has to do with like elaborate deaths or anything. It's just cool shit that's in the movie
0: yeah I was gonna comment on how how few deaths there really actually is in this movie yeah so, so let's
1: let's do our death litigation now. we might as well right
0: yeah, so right off the bat, well and this kind of ties into the good I do like the death of Dan or you know Dan transforming or metamorphosizing uh with the uh the the motorcycle.
1: I called it uh, Dan's
0: uh, Tetsuo Iron Man death. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. There's aspects of it that are pretty cool. The thing is, there's a lot of this where it's it's, like you said, it kind of could be cool, but then it it has a tendency to kind of more or less kind of go into being like corny, cornball. So, you know, it's like with that, it's like It kind of almost pushes a little too much into the cornball, but I do like it overall. But, yeah, so there's that. And that's like right away. Dan dies almost immediately. So we got him. And then we have Greta's force feeding death. We have Greta's death. And then we have the comic book dude death. Mark's
1: Mark's comic book death. And that's it. that's, That's it. Dan's motorcycle, Tetsuo Iron Man death, uh, Greta's force feeding death and Mark's comic book death. I don't even in relation to those other. I I think Dan's Tetsuo Iron Man death is fucking awesome. Mark's death is one of the worst. It's fucking (laughs) dumb as shit. But even comparatively, I still would put Greta's force feeding death like maybe just right behind the cockroach death. Cockroach Hotel death, in terms of my personal favorites, I that that uh, force feeding death is stands alone in my good. Not only just in my good, it's like the great the the greatness uh, the greatest thing about this movie that stands out to me. Every time I watch this, I always look forward to that scene. I, I love uh, that's my favorite death in this movie.
0: It's not mine. I think it's kind of meh. Honestly, really, wow, okay. yeah. And I think there's. There's something going on with the pacing and the direction of this movie that makes a lot of what could be better, like not impactful at all or just kind of off.
1: Oh, well, then- you don't get any arguments for me in terms of <laughs> in terms of that. But, yeah. as, you know, as a standalone death from a like creative standpoint, I I really like the like bloated paper mache cheeks as he's like f- continuing to feed her. And, and his whole chef gimmick is, is, is fucking irreverent and great. And it, it's, it's classic Freddie. And we don't get a lot of that in this.
0: Right. For sure. There could be more fun Freddie and there's not. It's like with this, I think they were having a hard time figuring out if they wanted this to be a serious movie or lean into the the funny irreverent type of Nightmare on Elm Street that, you know, had been working up to this.
1: And sometimes when you're like, when you don't shit or get, it's like a shit or get off the pot thing. Like you're kind of towing the line because you don't know which way you want to go. Then you don't do either well. So like you didn't do serious well and you didn't do like irreverent well because you did, you paid too much time like kind of toe in the line between the two so like neither one is done with any sort of great proficiency and so you get like this kind of meh movie this is like this you know it's the fifth movie in this franchise we're running out of fucking ideas as to as to why to bring him back this idea of him using alice's pregnancy as a return is cool conceptually but again in a, it just they didn't execute it properly, and it, it's a it's the middle of a in the middle of a well, I guess it's towards the back half of a movie franchise that's running out of ideas, and it, oh. it you know it's just running out of gas the, the whole franchise is,
0: yeah. And so, you can see uh, it, it
1: manifests itself in the movie. I mean, it <laughs> you know we're watching it twenty five some year odds later, and it's like yeah, this is. <laughs> This is just the last last gasp of a franchise.
0: Yeah, and on a, Oh, I had one other good... There's not a lot. I have one other. Yeah, I'm with you. We get a real quick cameo of not only Eric Singer, the former drummer of Kiss, mm-hmm. but Ted Nugent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, that could be your good or bad. It just really doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I'm, so I'm going to get canceled for this. If, if I haven't gotten canceled yet. Big Nuge fan. I'm a big Nuge fan. I, mean, I, you can I, I, do, I, I don't know. You can separate
1: the, the the artistry from from the the wackadoo. I mean, oh, you can I be do like of that. this this guy. Oh, you just are are I'm just on, on board
0: with everything that okay. that
1: dude's well, not. Wow. I, I was I was <laughs> trying to help, but go 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 off, King.
0: <laughs> My man. No separation here. Not not take the separated.
1: whole package. All right. Sometimes you do <laughs> have to just take the whole package with with that sort of thing.
0: But yeah, uh, got got. Yeah, we got that cameo of the Ten Fingers of Doom himself, the Nuge. Is that his name? Po- Ten Fingers of Doom. Oh yeah, that's what they called him back in the day. The Ten cool. Fingers of Doom. But <laughs> at that point, so it was '89 because you know. With a lot of these guys that ended up becoming these reactionary shitheads later in life, Ted Nugent's Republican Fox News side hadn't quite manifested at this point. No, so yeah, yeah, you, you know, right. let's uh, let's put this in context. He was just he was just the guitar player for Damn Yankees at that point. You know, just squibbly babbling.
1: He's squibbling, babbling.
0: He's the Ten Fingers of Doom. He's the Ten Fingers of Doom. <laughs> Like Pat, Pat Noswell said, you know, he just would change the physical properties of things with his rocking. Squiggly babbling doo. Just. Squiggly babbling
1: <laughs> That's so, a good impression. Like, what does Ted Newton sound like? Squiggly babbling doo. That's the like, better. Right.
0: Squiggly doo. Damn. <laughs> okay.
1: I did not know this. Um, this is an aside. That Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter song uh, won a Razzie for worst original song.
0: It's not good and it's, it's not on that bad. it's not like
1: the worst original song bad it is a very phoned in maiden song really it
0: is that song is on what is definitely definitively no. the worst Bruce yes. era original Bruce era Iron Maiden album
1: yeah no prayer for the dying is is uh just fucking unforgivable. But then it's followed up by... Because Fear of the Dark is right after that, right? Yeah, which is a decent album. Fear of the Dark rips, especially in retrospect. This is our Iron Maiden corner. Um, Speaking of last good, so like, you know... Say your piece. Or forever hold it. If I ever have another child and um, we do a gender reveal... (laughs) The dreaded gender reveal party... And I know ahead of time that it's uh, we're going to have a boy. I'm going to dress up in full Freddy regalia and jump out of a giant fucking box and just go.
0: It's a boy. <laughs>
1: that's a long winded way of saying it. that's one of my favorite Freddy lines. Uh, I really, really, really <laughs> like that line. Um, that ends my good. I don't know if you have anything else.
0: Yeah, I I can't really think of anything else. But there was a potential. I don't know if you read this. There was a potential would have been good, I suppose, might have been good. But uh, both Stephen King and Frank Miller were offered to work on this film.
1: Could they have even salvaged this? I don't know. I believe I I mean, that's interesting. Um, Any idea, any reasons why they uh, why they didn't?
0: Nope, other than they probably foresaw, you know, that this was a dying franchise and they didn't want their names attached to it. So they had to go with these up and coming directors. I mean, because aside from Wes Craven, none of the people that were, you know, associated with this as directors had any name at that point. And when we get into six, we will also touch upon this a similar thing happening in terms of somebody being put in the director seat or potentially hired on. Yeah. But I, I would I would assume that's it. I think what I read was Stephen King was asked to direct and Frank Miller was asked to be the screen writer. I'm not sure. But um that'd be yeah. I feel
1: like that would have still been really bad because Stephen King has only directed <laughs> one movie up to that point and it's the the, kick, the cocaine, most cocaine-fueled nightmare fever dream of, of all 80s movies.
0: Different kind of nightmare. <laughs>
1: <not> mad, yeah. <laughs> you beat me to it. You always do.
0: <laughs> you win, you always do. <laughs> um, yeah, that is the uh, uh,
1: the end of, of the good if we want to just move. Into, by the way, we're talking about maximum overdrive when – you know, we're referencing the only directed Stephen King movie so which I you know, don't know what that, you're
0: talking about is awesome
1: no oh, I love maximum overdrive
0: <laughs>
1: yeah I just you know I'm not always I'm not always up for doing a bunch of key bumps uh, in order to get ready for a movie but I oh will. I did
0: have I did have one good a real just a a, a detailed a, a specific detail good I like it when Freddie gets impaled in the mouth with the pool skimmer.
1: No, yeah, that's fine.
0: (laughs) It's good. You're right. I'm really, I'm really trying. You don't have to. We We can just move to the bad. I'm I'm scraping through this (laughs) list. This isn't like a
1: a good friend of ours that we're trying to like build up in retro. (laughs) Like we don't have to.
0: Let's move on then.
1: The bad. um, I brought this up in our dream master discussion. Um... I didn't buy Lisa Wilcox as a viable final girl. And lo and behold, the franchise doubles down on that and brings her back for round two of Alice. Um, Nancy didn't get this much screen time up to this point, nor did Kristen. So it's absurd to me that Alice would get this much leeway with the franchise. Um, yeah, it's just like, what, what the hell is going on here? Uh, why, why are we getting round two of this You know, they bring back, Kristen to die Um, and Nancy is brought back to die as well but why why couldn't they kill this bitch off at least yeah like it it, it seems crazy it's really (laughs) weird and you needed another death anyway oh I did have another kind of good no we're not going back to the good no no no
0: no no, no, no. come on especially for you to say like the pool skimmer scene was cool (laughs) <laughs> this one's real. This one's real weak. This is another like, just scraping. Uh, but I did why? like. For
1: what reason? Go ahead.
0: <laughs> I did like that they they made Alice's dad somewhat more sympathetic in this one.
1: That's he's, a bad. That's a bad. I want the raging Alki. I don't want the. I want the like <laughs> drinking bloodies before work, Dad. I don't want this AA want- <laughs> Dad. This sucks. Like at um, Sopranos when the- Chrissy has to go to AA.
0: It's like, damn it. I want him just doing heroin, fucking losing his mind. <laughs> you don't like that he's he's come around. He's a good, supportive, sober dad. Now he's OK with his daughter getting knocked up when she's 17.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the, what the reference to that song is. He's bringing the daughter to the slaughter. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Um but that's a good segue nonetheless into bad parenting uh part uh well, this is five so part five um Greta's mom having a bunch of predator industry people over to buy and sell her daughter at dinner uh <laughs> is part for the bad parent course um did that did that dinner scene remind you of the Beetlejuice like Deo sequence?
0: It didn't remind me of that, but it did the the whole that whole aspect of it, like Greta's mom, where they really were playing up the whole I'm a highfalutin high society lady thing was really weird, you know, especially at the graduation well, like, like, Greta, oh Greta. Oh dear. Oh, that whole thing. What the fuck? <laughs> I
1: don't but you know, but it 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 still jives with with these the, the awful parents in this movie. Yeah. I guess, yeah. so, I mean, I guess they're riffing on that still, just but...
0: Ba- also, just weird. Weird. Not just bad, but weird parents.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's... It is it is very, very strange. Um,
0: I, guess that, I was go gonna ahead. say, that I guess that just ties into the whole... There's just something very off about this. Not just, <laughs> again, that there's this surreal, hallucin... Hallucinatory aspect to it, but just overall, the the structure of the movie, the way the actors are interacting with one another, the way they deliver their lines, it's just off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: uh, well,
1: (laughs) you and I are really riffing now because everything you're saying is segueing into my next bad, which is performance wise, Joe Seeley as Mark. What a rough performance. (laughs) My God.
0: we got a lot of C-list perform- performances, and notably, nobody came out of this movie, out of this installment, to have any sort of No, Yeah, nor should career, they have. No. As far as I can tell. Now, Except for yeah. Robert England And Ted Nugent. <laughs> and Ted Nugent. There was... <laughs> Dan's dad, who I'm drawing a blank on what that actor is, I feel like he was in other things. But I never saw any of these other motherfuckers in any other movies.
1: No, it's like they're in this, and it's like a time capsule of of, of just this movie. But um specifically specifically Mark, it, it's it's like they cut from Greta dying and it, it gets it cuts straight to like <laughs> Mark, and it's just like the most vapid and apathetic line delivery from him. Like, you wouldn't have guessed that his girlfriend was just like brutally murdered. It's it's so strange that it's like his performance also coupled with this this idea that we keep harping on with pacing and the way the movie was just kind of structured is fucking bizarro. Mark does not deserve to live as long as he does in this movie. It is—I know—so strange.
0: We we think that that he's going to get murked, you know, about halfway, and then he survives. It's a
1: swerve. It's like we're getting more Mark for what reason?
0: For what reason? Why do we need more of this? He stupid? should have at least died before Greta. Right. <laughs> Uh, it's Uh,
1: so so straight he serves as like the like he serves as like the protector of truth kind of character like he's the one that believes um in alice uh and and her story and where you know whatever It's so fucking stupid
0: yeah well
1: he Uh, you know a lame-ass character gets a lame-ass death so i mean i guess that worked out but they're all lame yeah, but he was the lamest and got the lamest death of like the franchise almost. I mean, I I really am hard pressed to think of a lamer death, even looking forward to episodes we haven't done yet.
0: Yeah, it's just the dialogue is like just very stilted throughout this movie. That's what I just I, you know, like. I keep going back to this whole idea of can't tell what they were ultimately trying to achieve with this movie. They're trying to give it this like gravitas, but at the same time really make it goofy at some points. And the the twain just never really met in in a manner like that did with with Rennie Harlan, who can somehow pull it off and and make this fun and campy, you know, but also quote unquote scary to yeah. a certain extent, you know?
1: Yeah. And the blurring between like what's a dream and reality, which we've talked about uh, in every installment so far, it becomes impossible to follow at this point. It's gotten gradually right. more confusing as the series went on. This is the tipping point. Um, this is over the top. It, it is like it's to the point where i don't fucking understand what is reality and what's a dream and they don't even they're not even trying at this point it's like everything exists like these people are in the nightmare world they're in reality freddie's in both nothing fucking matters like <laughs> I, <laughs> what is going on and the the concept of like him using alice's baby to return albeit I'll, I'll cool like if you had told me that's the premise of the movie, doesn't even it falls short in execution? Once again, it doesn't even make fucking sense. I, I I don't get it. Why is he using? If you really wanted to to talk about what the plot of this movie is, it's him using Alice's baby's dreams to. Continue killing kids on Elm Street? It's like, what the fuck is this? What, what does that mean? And what is the purpose? And wh- and why is that impactful at all? Who cares?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, that's like the... That's the bulk of the bads for me. I don't know if I have any other really specific bads, then, you know, again, there's you know, there's going to be significant questions.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I don't have any more. I mean, I, I have nitpicky bad stuff. Like, the, I hate a bad composite shot, and the composite shot of the insane asylum exterior is just fucking terrible. And I just don't know why you wouldn't simply do a on-location shot for that. Like, all the characters are, like, walking up to, like, this composite shot of of the insane asylum. And it, it looks just like, it just looks like shit. It reminds me of uh, early star Trek episodes, like early on in the season when they don't, they still don't have budgetary reasons to do certain things. And <laughs> they land on different planets and they have to go up to like the only building on the fucking planet. It's clearly like a shitty composite shot. Like this was a, this is a fucking movie though. It's not like a early season <laughs> star Trek episode, but that's just more technical shit, but we can move on to questions.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm just I guess where I'm having trouble discussing this too is because we're 40 min we're at the 40 minute mark here and we're already moving into questions and Who then we cares? still got we still got a whole another movie to talk about. I feel like this is going to be the shortest so far of the series because there just isn't a whole lot to say about these movies. I mean, I feel like there's going to be quite a bit to say about Freddie's dad so maybe we should just talk about our questions and then wrap this this motherfucker up and then move yeah. on yeah
1: I'm not I'm not trying to dwell on dream child any longer than we have to like so let's get let's get this fucking over with Is <laughs> where I'm at <laughs> um, questions I don't know if you noticed this the dude at the pool party broke a beer bottle by like barely rolling over it with his hand what the yeah. fuck was the point of any of that what why did they show that I thought that it was I thought it was going some I thought he was like gonna he cut his hand open and he was just like bleeding into the pool and then the blood was gonna like form into Freddy or something. It's, what was the fucking point of showing us that he broke this beer bottle? It, to they show to, it to
0: us specifically. To show how much of a wiener Mark is. <laughs> or the
1: the The strongest man alive because he just he literally breaks a beer bottle by like barely rolling his palm over it. I don't even know what's going on. It's like sugar glass.
0: (laughs) I mean, it literally was. I mean, it, it literally was. Yes. yeah. But like
1: in in the reality of the movie, it was like Mark's drinking beer out of sugar glass bottles just to like do like feats of strength shit later to like make himself look real cool in front of everyone. I guess that's the answer to the question.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because I didn't really even think about that as being just this kind of, I don't know, just this thing that has no intent to the overall driving of the plot or the the story at all. It's just, yeah, let's just put that in there.
1: (laughs) Everything needs, so like when you film, I'm no fucking expert. When you're filming a movie, everything has to be purposeful uh, or with intent. Like everything has to, you know, you you, you don't just shoot things just fucking because you thought that would be cool. It's got to tie into and it's not like that was cool. (laughs) It was just whatever. It was fucking stupid. Who cares?
0: Right. Isn't that that what they call it? It's Chekhov's gun, right? You present, you know, you've heard that before.
1: Chekhov's but, well, is it Chekhov's? I thought it was like Chekhov's hangnail or whatever
0: <laughs> Chekhov's hangnail, Chekhov's dong. That's what it is, though. Yeah, it is. Chekhov's, my, gun, Chekhov's gun. correct? Yeah. Chekhov's Yeah, absolutely. It's it. It's a non sequitur in the in the plot. Yeah. So, um, I Chekhov's, a, Chekhov's
1: hangnail was uh, an undercover reference for any. F- ba- uh, f- uh, Fans of the band Martha. So that that was a Martha joke.
0: Raise your hands. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about.
1: One person in this room is raising their hands. Okay. Jesus. Is that some of that
0: fucking cornball pop punk shit you like?
1: It is. They're from uh, England.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Next. All right.
1: Very poppy. You would love it.
0: Uh okay. I have a this is a headcanon type of uh question. And I'm surprised we didn't bring this up in previous uh discussions. But do you think that Freddy was like this like wisecracky when he was alive, when he was a human? Do you think he was just aside from like the killing kids, killing and fucking kids thing, which is pretty funny. I'm <laughs> <laughs> do you think like when he just hung out with his dudes when Freddie was down at the pub or whatever hanging out with his boys after work cracking some cold ones Do you think he was he was on one all the time do you think all of his coworkers were like man Freddie, freddy's hilarious or did, is that just a power that he had uh attained post-mortem in his in his in his uh dream demon uh life
1: Something Anything. came along the way and gave him some sort of levity. Because, uh, no, to answer your question, I don't think so. Like, So I just ask myself, like, do you think John Wayne Gacy was a cool hang? <laughs> do you think at some point somebody had actually a legitimately good time in his rumpus room? I don't know. Maybe. He had a lot of costume parties at his house. He loved a good costume party. But I feel like if you spent quality one-on-one John Wayne Gacy time, even if he wasn't planning on killing you, sociopaths always show themselves and and can't hold that sort of one-on-one conversation for too long without it getting like, there's something wrong with this fucking person, Is is the ultimate conclusion. I feel like that would be the kind of hang he would have been
0: pre-death. So do you think do you think there was any notable legendary serial killers that were, were funny dudes?
1: Dahmer. I think Dahmer was legitimately probably funny because Yeah, because he was
0: a class clown. Everybody, yeah. knew the Everybody he, do the Dahmer.
1: Everybody do the Dahmer. he was very morose and had it sounds like he had like a a very like black black humor gallo-, yeah, gallo gallo. Like sardonic.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, there we go. Dahmer but would be a good hang. But it wouldn't have been like Freddie, where Freddie's got the zingers. Dahmer no. wouldn't have the zingers. Dahmer would be dry, deadpan. But Freddie, 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 so yes, yeah, so you're saying he—that was one of the the benefits of him taking on the role of being the Dream Demon guy, where they 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 bestowed on him this new sense of humor. Yes, that that. We could take it even further and say, you know how with each successive series, Freddie gets stronger because he acquires more souls. Yeah. So maybe that also, you know, the soul juice also gives him... (laughs) Lends to his comedy. His comedy stylings. (laughs) Yeah, so you know, by that point, he's done a few open mics around town, and he's really been able to riff on his material. You know, he's got a good way of compiling his notes and he just knows what works in a room at this point.
1: Yeah, he knows his room well and he knows his audience.
0: Yeah, because um, OG Freddy in the first first one, he he didn't say anything funny.
1: So no, he no not he at all. He was
0: bombing at the open mics. But then <laughs> yeah, by by the second one, he's got he's he's starting to get legs. He's got the you know, I, you know, you've got the body, I got the brain. But this so, Freddie
1: is like a full conceptualized comedy career at this point. So like <laughs> we've his franchise career starts off like not like not being really funny in, in clubs in front of nobody. And then he really hits his stride with like, you know, his own HBO, uh, you know, special and uh, a series on on Comedy Central. But now this Freddie is like current Dave Chappelle who, who's like obsessed with trans jokes and it's like boy this is really hit a hit a weird <laughs> bump in the road and this is <laughs> this guy is not funny anymore so yeah it's a full career here
0: okay good I just wanted that was one that I wanted to have a, a discussion about about Freddie's uh, comedic banter no I, I enjoyed whether it he was a natural it. whether he was a
1: natural <laughs> Well, what you – having that discussion actually brought this up. Um, I didn't know if you noticed this either. But, you know, remember in our uh, original discussion, the first one, Wes Craven uh, said that he was a child murderer. He specifically did not want him to be a child molester. He changed that um, or whatever. This is the first inkling that we get that that Freddie's actually a child molester, because uh, when Alice has the newspaper clippings all over her bedroom floor, one of the headlines says child molester acquitted. Um, And as far as I know, maybe I'm wrong. This is the first indication that he's actually a child molester, because up to this point, he's only been referred to as a child murderer. So to answer that question that nobody asked, which is. When does when does uh, uh, Freddie become a child molester in in the headcanon of of they were in the canon of this movie? It would be this this movie sets it off, um, which th- th- begs another question: What kind of technicality lets Freddie off the hook when he gets caught? So like he gets caught, he goes to trial, he gets off on a tech. I don't know how you get off on a technicality of that many dead children. Uh, either well, just expert lawyer work
0: or uh, Marge, just... Marge, Marge Thompson goes into that in the first one she says it very offhandedly she says that someone basically it's a purely a clerical error a someone clerical forgot error. to sign a paper in the right place and that was it That there he goes free as a bird
1: again imagine like Gacy <laughs> getting off on a clerical error that didn't even... <laughs> Makes sense, but <laughs> fine. that's, that's whatever. Any other questions?
0: Yeah. So <laughs> this is kind of an over, well, th- the first part of this is not, this is specific to this movie, but kind of an overarching uh, issue I see with this series for one. Did did Dan and Alice move to a different high school? I'm assuming not, but you get this vibe that – and this this is what points to the other, you know, installments. You notice that with each successive one, when they start from the beginning and they have, like, a new crew of kids, but they're still – there's a new crew with some of the survivors of the old crew. You notice everybody's just like, yay, they're getting along great, and they're all like happy to be alive. There's no trauma at all indicated within this crew. It's almost as if they completely suppressed it or forgot anything that had happened in the previous movie, and everything's just fucking hunky-dory. It's almost as if they just up and like transplanted them to a different school. Also, you can't tell me that after all of, like, the the crazy batshit things that have happened, because let's think about the timeline of this. So this all happens while everybody's in high school in this series. Well, from, like, let's say from three to five. Everybody's still in high school because in three... The kids are in the the sanitarium, but they're in high school because by the time they get into four, they're back in class with the new crew of people. And then we have this one where they're graduating and then it's another new crew of people with the other survivors, Dan and Alice. But the through line is that nobody except for Alice and Dan or whoever in the previous one, like et cetera, et cetera, has any inkling of who Freddy Krueger is how is this fucking possible with each successive new group of people that they're a part of? Nobody has any clue. They've never heard of the guy. It's all just completely a fabrication there. It's a, it's a, it's a mass hysteria or whatever, or a delusion within the, the minds of the, of the survivors, but nobody can corroborate it whatsoever. Why, why is this a thing that keeps happening?
1: Well, I think it's just like, you know, with any urban legend, it's it's something that's that's maybe spoken of, or maybe some something that you may have heard of, like in Candyman or whatever. But only the people that actually have real real time experience with it are the only you, they're the only two. Um, Alice and and Dan are the only two that had holdovers from the last one, so they're the only ones to to speak to that. And
0: so that's you know, no I'm one else that. was having
1: the dreams. Yeah.
0: But but there's Sheila in the previous one dies in class. She dies well, in yeah. class. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like so, these new dipshits that they're hanging with, they have no idea about this. They're completely clueless that this was related to a demonic serial killer. Whether or not he's infiltrating <laughs> their dreams, but. She clearly dies in class. A yeah, horrible death. Yeah, so, yeah it's, it's unanswerable
1: because obviously um, it's, it just speaks to the the town's overall kind of psychosis.
0: Yeah, so I, and I guess that's what I'm asking is is this just a is this a uh, not an analogy, but is there like a subtext to this that we're trying to read into that? No matter how much bad shit happens in these small towns or suburban towns, they they just. They just try and wish it away or forget about it yeah. or just act like everything's fine.
1: Yes, no. I okay. think that's ultimately the the conclusion, but also it's partly unanswerable because it's just you, you can't kill this many people and keep having movies, you know.
0: Um, I will say this because we are on the topic of this group of people. I do feel that this crew is more... Um, realistic and believable than in the previous one. That that this group of kids. Yeah. I just don't. I just don't even care. They don't seem <laughs> like they're I'll, like I'll them. they don't seem like they're specific archetypes okay. of individual. You know what I mean?
1: They're yeah, just, that's fair.
0: That's fair. Just bl- bland with the exception of Mark, who is the, the the weird artsy guy. They're just bland fucking high school yeah. Dip, yeah dipshits
1: we read yeah okay. it's slight slightly better i suppose
0: okay so there's that um what else do i have i think that's it
1: all right let's move on because i have, could care less about talking about dream child <laughs> Dream Child. I didn't want to talk about it this long, uh, let alone continue <laughs> talking about it. Uh, so let's take a break. Come back for Freddie's dead.
0: As a boy, he was always different. Son of a Son of a Son of a
1: no one understood him. You ready for it, boy? It's time to take your medicine. Thank you, sir. No one could control him. him. Go inside, honey. But now it's a new beginning. The beginning of the end for Freddy.
0: Every town has an elm. Story. your mind will go for. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little soul, too. Oh, yeah. going to have to hit him with everything we got. Now I'm playing with power. We're in Twin Peaks here. Ah. It's got to be me and him you want to live hey, what's, up? what's with kids today huh Freddy's dead the
1: final nightmare great graphics they've saved the best for last. To kick off our second half discussion here, before we get into Freddy's dead, my daughter got out of bed, unprovoked, said, I don't want to dream. And I said, Why don't you want to dream? She said, I don't want to have scary dreams. And I said, What is what's scary about your dream? She said, The bad man. And I said, Well, you have to fall asleep in order to dream and you haven't fallen asleep yet. So what do you mean? You, you didn't have a dream yet. She's like, but I'm scared to dream. I don't want to dream. So that's cool. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Real world applications. uh, We're actually
0: manifesting Freddy Krueger. We are.
1: We are. She's the dream child. (laughs) She's the true dream child. I'm going to bring. Ripley to the slaughter. Um, Freddy's dead, though. Let's shake off the bad juju of Dream Child. Leave that in our rear view mirror.
0: And then drape some more bad juju. A a whole, a whole nother, just metric shit ton. (laughs) I'm. Well, I'll, I'll hold I'm not trying thoughts. to foreshadow the discussion at all here. Yeah. Not trying to preface this. I'm not trying to color or bias this at all. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm
1: I I have thoughts that I think may surprise you. So wow. this was New Line Cinema's first 3D uh, release, which is interesting. Um, written, written and directed by Rachel Talalay in her directorial debut um she's only directed a handful of movies. She and she wrote and directed this. She's probably best known for Tank Girl. Um yeah. which I've not seen Tank Girl, but I know that it's like a cult movie. Um what's her name? Rachel Petty or who's the main no, Lori, pr-
0: Lori, Lori Lori Petty.
1: Laura Petty, Rachel Petty, Lori. whatever.
0: Lori Lord. Oh, yeah, because
1: it's Rachel Tellelay. Anyway, uh, released in 1991, it grossed like $35 million, um on a $10 million budget. So it fucking blew Dream Child out of the water in terms of, um, you know, revenue in the box office, probably because this was billed as the final fucking... Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy's going to die and everyone, they needed to get butts in seats. So Freddy's going to die in this movie. They promised us and everyone came to see that. So, you know, that's probably speaks to why the numbers were so high. And they needed to promise people something after Dream Child because you could not just roll out another one and have people come Come. After dream child, no one was coming to the movie. Theaters.
0: Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't have a, a dream grandchild, a dream a dream nephew, oh, a, a God. dream niece, a dream dog, uh, a dream breakfast. No more dreams. No more. No more, uh, uh, a, a dream rent a center sofa had, had to pivot to something else thank you yes (laughs) thanks
1: thanks for that so taking place many years after dream child uh freddie has returned and killed nearly every child in springwood uh we're told and except for one surviving teenager who is referred to in this movie as john doe cleverly enough uh Freddie uses John Doe to reunite him with his real-life daughter, Katherine Krueger, a.k.a. Maggie Burroughs, a.k.a. Lisa Zane. who She was played by Lisa Zane. Um, and that's the con- conceptual uh, uh, device of this movie. Um, unlike you, off the top, I fucking unequivocally hated this movie for a very very long time to the point where when i watched it for the purposes of this podcast i did not even remember most of it i think like i may have given this one one or two chances and was like this is so fucking bad i'm not watching it i don't know what happened um <laughs> upon this rewatch you had an epiphany I was delighted. I really, <laughs> I enjoyed this a lot. Um, I'll get to. I don't want to. This is just off the top thoughts, but I, I just want to say that I thought forever that this was a slog and a real piece of shit, and like it, the move, this franchise goes out on a whimper here. I, I'm going to do some revisionist. Uh, history on that because I'm not afraid to be allowed, to change my fucking opinion on shit, especially when I hard stance on stuff and I turn out to change my mind or I'm wrong later down the road. I thought this was perfectly serviceable and I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and I'll save more specific thoughts for our, our discussion, but that's where I land on this actually. But hearing you go off on it is not surprising because that's what I that's my mind that's what my mindset would have been if we had done a a, an episode on this without a rewatch I would have just had similar thoughts to you
0: so I have a few things to say your change of heart in regards to this movie gives me hope for when we go back and we do a re-read review of hardware mermaid (laughs) in a manhole Christine let's see what else did I hate those, Christine? You didn't hate it, but you were definitely not you're not into it. I didn't remember it, it's
1: it's a lesser carpenter for sure.
0: You you didn't you didn't lay into it quite like you did with hardware and especially mermaid in a manhole. So well, I
1: so if you're gonna bring up those three, let's just real quick here. I could see myself liking hardware more down the road. I'll never you on a fucking bet you can pay me to watch Mermaid in a manhole ever again. And um Christine, I I'm only uh, so I have only solidified my opinion after having read it per your suggestion that the movie is even worse now, in my opinion, because oh. the the book does such a great fucking job of a lot of things that the were not capitalized on in the film. And I think like Carpenter really dropped the ball with with presenting um The source material accurately in a a movie. I know it's very hard, but having read the book made me hate the movie even fucking more. So not hate, not hate. I don't want to say that. Christine is perfectly fine, but it is nowhere near as good as the book, and it's a lesser Carpenter movie. There's ten Carpenter movies I'd rather watch. So there's
0: that. Having said that, ah, my heart it hurts. (laughs) <laughs> I said that I would like I probably would like uh, hardware upon rewatch uh, okay so not so we don't go down too 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 far of a rabbit hole with sure that that subject this is what I will say yes I laid into it at the top but I will say this I'm partially I'm partially like doubling down for the purposes of this podcast this is what i will say up until i rewatched this movie uh for the purposes of this discussion i actually really did like did do like this it probably at one point was one of my favorite installments of the series but oh, so you you have the opposite experience Well, sort of. I still like it. It's still fun, but it is a garbage movie. It is in terms of, you know, when you compare it to, of course, the other ones. Yeah, it's a pile of shit, but it's fun. It's a fun pile of shit. It's more fun than five. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Dream Child is like. I think maybe that is, I watched dream child and, and this back to back. So maybe in like, especially by comparison, I was like, man, this is like, this is fun. Like I'm having a good time, but like, unlike you who actually enjoyed it to some capacity in the past, your, your opinion never wavered. I just had more or less of a coming to Jesus moment with it, where I was like, something was not clicking now it's clicking and I'm enjoying this maybe it's coupled with uh, having watched Dream Child and having to wash that paste <laughs> out of my mouth
0: yeah and, and of course given the fact that we're watching all of these in sequence and watching them with a critical eye as opposed to just sitting around you know just relaxing Netflix and chilling with these yeah. you know there's there's a multitude of factors happening within um, our respective viewings of these to color them a certain way. It yeah. might you know alter them one way or the other. Certainly, this one I I feel like I it really wasn't that long ago that I actually watched this 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 installment. So
1: oh I um, haven't I haven't seen this movie in since I I I don't know since I was a teenager, but it has to be, I probably watched it a handful of times, maybe not a teenager, but I probably watched it one or two times over the last 20 years and filed it away as complete garbage and was like, I don't even want to watch this game. Why would I watch this again? Um,
0: I can, I can say definitively up to this point of all the movies we've watched in this franchise. Five is the one that I've watched the least so much to the point where when I was watching, I'm like, I don't remember any of this. I don't even know if I've seen this all the way through, to be honest. That is the exact, that is the exact, exactly,
1: I mean, way I felt about this. I was like, did I even watch this all the way through? There was, literally was like watching it for the first time. So let's get into the good, the bad, and the questionable. (sighs)
0: Once again, this is your
1: brain. This is your brain on drugs.
0: Questions? Yeah, what are you on? Looks like a frying pan and some eggs to me. (laughs) Hey, Spence, let's trip out.
1: with the good. Yes. It's far from perfect (laughs) to say the least. I, and I can even understand why people were pissed when this first came out. Um, but I just really like the swing for the fences energy of this. I'd rather they have gone out like this than to do another paint by numbers. Freddy movie. It, it, it. This is the way to go out, go out swinging, go out with taking fucking chances as as nutter butter of a, a of a, you know, plot this is. I would much prefer this than another dragging Robert England into the fucking makeup uh, <laughs> makeup room for another slathering of Kruger makeup and him going half assed through lines for 90 minutes. I would much prefer this than than the alternative.
0: Yeah, I mean, this one goes back the other way. The pendulum swings back to the zany, the zaniness, the campy zaniness. With this, he's one back. They, yeah, he's back they, to they, being they, camp. Yeah, they lean heavily into that again, as they did with the, with the fourth one. So, but they, also with the call-
1: return of of him, of campy Freddy, we're also back to some semblance of logic. Uh, Freddie is securely in the dream world, and the the the, the delineation between dreams and reality in this are very clear, at least to me. And for the first time, since the first one, really, I think they kind of really do away with this mumbo, this this mumbo jumbo gray area of what's a dream and what's not. Like, I feel like they yeah. really put that to bed here. And so it, it allows me to enjoy the movie a lot more because I'm not like trying to fucking do mental gymnastics, trying to figure out what's going on in terms of reality and and dream world stuff.
0: Yeah, you can clearly see, okay, the children or the teenagers are falling asleep. They're dreaming. Now, I think with this, though, they take that idea, Even they take it and they, they run with it almost too far, where they're so zonked out in the dream world that they cannot wake them up at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> they're doing everything in their power to shake them out of whatever nightmare they're having. They they are fast asleep. It's like they they are comatose. In this one, <laughs> which I still
1: prefer over like Okay, what is going on? Is he in our reality? Is Freddy in our reality are the kids in his like uh, like what the fuck is this? I, I, you know, I'd much prefer. Yeah, you're right though. Like sleeping in this means like borderline. uh, Get the fucking the paddles ready, and like
0: (laughs) that's how you're gonna have to wake
1: somebody up in this movie. I agree. Uh,
0: I will say up top, yeah, because you did mention her. Lisa Zane is a honey.
1: We have not talked about our EG Daily Award. Uh, in a while, we've forgotten about it. It didn't get any play in the last probably one or two movies. God, I if you had to pull a gun to my head and give me an EG Daily of, of Dreamchild, I'd say pull the trigger. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't care. Um, but, yes, we're firmly back. And uh, Lisa Zane can get our, our EG Daily Award here for Babelius Babe.
0: Yeah, because it's like, man, Ooh. if... You know, if you had a boner for Billy Zane, but you don't you're not quite wanting to come out about it, then you, you got this. Any
1: relation.
0: Are you asking me? That? Yes, they're, oh, brother and sister.
1: they're brother and sister. OK, yeah, <laughs> well, good. And um, to make things even better, I well, I knew this of, of Billy Zane. I knew he's Greek. And yeah, so- I was
0: going to mention they're they're your uh They're your, uh, your people.
1: Yeah. Um, much like, you know, somebody coming to Ellis Island and having their, their, uh, their lineage fucked with, um, the Zanes were originally Zanatacos. I was just—I
0: I was just going to ask, what is the the Greekified, fucking gobbledygook version? They of, took
1: of the—they took the tacos out of it uh, <laughs> and just dropped it and made it Zane. Um, so whatever. I mean, that's fine. Um, but yeah, that's—I I, I, she's in my good. I think she, outside of being Bailey, is really good in this. Um, so mm-hmm. especially for what she's being asked to do. There's two genuine and I haven't laughed in a while given that I don't, I almost like dream child has to be like thou that shall not be named kind of thing. But I, I, did, I hadn't laughed in a while in this series. So, um, it was fun to laugh again, but two genuine, like I laughed out loud kind of moments is, uh, when he's, uh, when John does in the plane and he's talking to that old bag sitting next to him, he yeah. says, I'm afraid of heights. And she says, don't be a pussy. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, I got that up top. That's great. That that fucking made me laugh. And then Carlos falling asleep in the back of the van and then waking up uh, to it just being filled to the brim with roadmaps. And he opens (laughs) one and it just says, you're You're fucked. fucked. That is so – that made me laugh as well. Those two moments fucking rip.
0: Yeah, I had both of those down. (sighs) Also, this movie, as opposed to the last one, especially where we have, again, just complete zeros, D-list motherfuckers that you'll never, ever see again. If
1: it was a pulse this- check, we would it would just <laughs>
0: <laughs> we would be flatlining with Dream Child. Yeah, it's good to have a pulse again. Yeah. And and just really pumping strong, real healthy in the in the body. We got just uh. An arm's length list of cameos, quality cameos on this one. This boy one is how- bringing to out use your your phrase. Boy, howdy. <laughs> I haven't said boy, howdy in a while. But boy, is, howdy. Yeah, yeah. This is stacked with the cameos. So <laughs> go ahead. Let's run down the, the cool cameos in this. Uh,
1: so off the top of my head, I, I know that Roseanne <laughs> Roseanne and Tom Arnold um, are in this. Effectively playing themselves, they're not
0: even right. like they're not even there to be uh, parents. Uh, that's uh, but that's part of the course. Anytime Roseanne or Tom showed up in anything, and that is also the series Roseanne they're just playing themselves
1: yes yeah I think that's part of their shtick but you know you could literally see them like walking off with the big like novelty check like as they walk off set like they it's almost like that's still on in the film like they were like all right we did our fucking thing Uh, (laughs) and they were the the it couple in 1991 so like whatever um yeah but Excitedly enough, we also get Alice Cooper, which is fucking awesome. Um,
0: As Freddie's adoptive dad, because, you know, he doesn't have his, a dad. His
1: foster dad, yeah. His
0: foster dad, yeah. So we got that. We got Yafet Kodo, our man. Yeah, which well,
1: is not even a cameo. I mean, a cameo. That, I mean a
0: those cameo, are the other ones were cool. like
1: straight up cameos. Yafet yes. Koto is just in this fucking movie doing. Fun Yafet Kodo stuff. That's great.
0: Um, we have Robert Shea in the very beginning, uh, reprising yes. a cameo yeah, as so. the, the ticket booth guy, and he does he get, a great job. Yeah, he does. So other <laughs> than the teacher, is this the this is this the only other performance he has? As far as I know. And you know what? We failed to mention this way, way back. I don't know if you knew this, but you know that Lynn Shea is Robert Shea's sister.
1: Oh, I I just thought they were married. <laughs> but, no, okay, that, that makes, makes sense. Sister.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: cool. That's really cool.
0: So we got Robert Shea. We got Johnny Depp.
1: Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, Johnny Depp coming back, and his cameo is really fucking cool and funny. It's like you know, irreverent. Like he gets. <laughs> like basically like Looney Tunes bonked off screen, like in the middle of a commercial. <laughs> like I love, I love how Freddie interrupts, interrupts his screen time.
0: Yeah. So those, is that's it. As far as I, but great. Can I
1: love, I love all that. And if we're going to stick with, um, if we're going to stick with casting. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, are a and Meyer fan, but I love Breck and Meyer from Clueless and road trip and rat race. Um, but I also uh, ran a quasi uh, uh, popular King of the Hill Instagram page for a long time. Alrighty. And um, I don't know if people know this off the top of their heads, but uh, Breckin Meyer is the voice of Joseph Gribble. So <laughs> that's, I, I love, I just love Breckin Meyer in general. And this has got to be one of his earliest performances.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, so there's some casting goods. What else?
1: I have also that um, Nightmare on Elm Street at this point is just ADA approved. And there, We have Will from Dream Warriors, and now we have Carlos in this, so a, a hearing-impaired individual. So I'm just bringing it back around. I love it. Love to see the diversity in the cast.
0: Yeah. Good point. Uh, do we want to talk about the deaths? We can do, do cameras, a death litigation,
1: um, which uh, that's a good point uh, or good good time to start because Carlos's lend me your ear death. Um, and everything that goes into it, it's very, very fucking elaborate. But I love the like <laughs> the, the needle drop, the dropping the handful of needles, death and the nails on the chalkboard and, and all that. The sensitivity to the hearing. I thought Carlos's death was really cool. Um, then we segue into Spencer's uh, video game death equipped with a. Power glove reference, which nobody younger than like thirty would would have understood.
0: Um also they, which was used completely illegally. Oh illegally. Yeah, it it's it's oh, a wow. trade it's a trademark name. They weren't <laughs> so they, they weren't allowed to just, to just say it. They yeah. weren't allowed to, to just say it. I don't know if they if there was any repercussions from it, but yes.
1: Did you ever watch the game show Nick Arcade?
0: Uh no, but I remember what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. So it reminded me of very much of Nick Arcade, which was a a game show in the 90s where kids on Nickelodeon where kids could the it was a video game game show. But at the end, they could be in the video game and they were like jumping all shittily to like, yeah, it it was it was good. But that his death reminded me of Nick Arcade. Um, And then you have John's uh, skydiving death, which is. Yeah, it is it is what it is. <laughs> but again,
0: not, not, that not that many deaths. And technically we also have we have those, but we also had Tracy's dad's death.
1: Hmm.
0: Her her uh her chomo papa. He gets killed in this as well. But and that's obviously all- Freddie's death. We I guess and we should Freddy's death.
1: Yeah, of course I the, mean, most, the most important.
0: <laughs> I will say this because you did you did mention it. The deaths in this, particularly those first two, are considerably more elaborate than some of them, some other deaths maybe in in in, in the series. Yes. Yeah, Go ahead. With with Spencer's death, it's not just the video game, but it starts off him hallucinating. So he has his hallucinate his hallucination where he gets sucked into the TV, and then there's a the psychedelic Inagata Devita thing. And then that in turn morphs into the video game. Yeah. And then with Carlos's, it's, there's multiple stages that leads up to his, his uh, hearing aid attacking him.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, both of which, yeah, yeah, that's why it's weird because they both get incredibly elaborate deaths and then John Doe gets like a falling out of the sky meaningless death um yeah we don't get much nothing is as is that elaborate uh in the rest of the movie but i mean so if we're litigating this what's what's your favorite my i mean i actually i actually prefer the carlos death over spencer's but yeah that's my favorite
0: right so i was what i was gonna say was spencer's death was always the most memorable to me i i it just always stuck out and I think it was the funnest death up to that point for me in the series. But as far as actually like the best death in this particular movie, I think Carlos is, is as well.
1: It's really good. Yeah. Um, any more good from you? I have some up. left.
0: Why don't you go ahead?
1: um, I just call her Dr. Mags. Oh, <laughs> uh, Maggie Burroughs, AKA Catherine Kruger, but Dr. Mags going into Freddie's memories is dope as fuck. I love yeah. the flashbacks. I like Like Alice Cooper in the role of his foster dad, everything leading up to the, the terrible CGI dream demons, the, and the, the dream demon bullshit in general is is whatever, um, but I I love the backstory and I I love that they took the opportunity um, in his farewell movie to give him a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of backstory. Albeit, yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about giving him any pathos in the form of like an abused child. Right. Um, it's kind of the same thing in true crime where we we tend to we we try to be like well why are this why are they this way like what sexual abuse did they did they have to withstand or or whatnot and it's then it's just kind of like well kind of doesn't matter because at the end of the day they were a horrible fucking monster so uh, i'm not sure you know people people have terrible fucking backgrounds and terrible childhoods and and don't become uh murderous uh, sociopaths so
0: but well, I, I, I do like it overall. We we talked about this again and again with the Rob Zombie Halloween remake, where sometimes a director and a writer is able to pull it off and other times you're just like, What the fuck? I don't care. I don't yeah, this is lame. I don't wanna know about this just basic ass fucking backstory the oh my god yeah. oh my god my mom was you know a, a fry cook and my dad was an <laughs> alcoholic fucking mechanic and that made me kill people that made me murder small animals so yeah i don't know i mean it's fine with this i do like some of that flashback stuff but i'm also kind of with you on it it's like yeah, whatever. I
1: like. So I guess to to um, be more specific, I like the way it's shot and I, I like the placement of it in the movie. I think it it works and uh, uh, how jarring it is to have watched Dream Child with with pacing issues and all that. It was nice to see a movie that was directed by someone with a, a, a clear vision and. And knew what they wanted to do with it. And so it felt more purposeful. And and maybe that is akin to the fact that she's also the writer of this. So that, that helps a lot when you're the writer and director. Because you kind of know in your head what you want.
0: Yeah, for sure. I have, let's
1: see, probably one more. Um, the, fr- the franchise montage credit scene at the end absolutely rules... Almost reducing me to tears because I love just like all the memories of the the franchise. But that Iggy Pop song, Why Was I Born, is a ripper. Uh, We haven't mentioned him yet, but he wrote the, the the basically the death song for the movie. And I love that song. I love the montage. And I think it's a great way to go out.
0: I like the montage. We're, we're going to have to split on that song, though.
1: Don't like the song. OK, <laughs>
0: no, I do not like that song. I thought and the that, song rules. Yeah, I, I just have I have a more extended bad to tie in with that. But well, we can montage,
1: get into the bad if you would like.
0: Well, there's just a couple of ones. I like the uh, the bludgeoning of uh, bludgeoning with the coffee maker scene I um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. Yeah. And um. Yeah, I think as far as I can tell, that's it. I like that they used (laughs) – they basically –
1: I mean, Nancy should be uh, suing for royalties if she wasn't dead. But they take her fucking plan and uh, to bring him into reality – I mean, they basically take the Nancy plan and – roll right. it out. I mean, I'm sure that's intentional because it ties them, ties the movie back around to the first one, but I like the plan. I think it's a great plan. Um,
0: it's, so, yeah. The, it's, yeah, that was in my bad questionable. I'm like, okay, so, but you liked it. You, you think that that was good that they brought that back. I,
1: I like the callback to it. Cause I, I, like I said in the first one, I think it's a, it's a, it's a solid execution. It's like a, a real world, um, plan for a fantastical problem which I think is cool yeah I like the plan I think it's good
0: I guess it's fine I feel like they should have come up with something maybe different but
1: no whether or not they yeah whether or not it should have been (laughs) again yeah it's Nancy's plan rehashed so yeah I could see how why that would be bad (laughs) but let's just go into the bad then go ahead
0: well Cause, Cause I'm not coming to killed. bat
1: for this movie necessarily. I'm not like try to fucking <laughs> try to harm me. I dare you. Cause I have bad too. I just, I was pleasantly surprised. So I like couldn't believe I had as much good as I did.
0: Well, that's, that's nice to hear at least. Um, but I will say that <laughs> unlike previous installments, the middle installments of this series, this one for me is definitively not rocking. This is a not, this is clearly, we are entering the 90s, the actual like cool metal and rock and roll era uh, that we just went through, We're, we're no longer there. So here we're entering into the phase of bad 90s soundtrack. I am with you on this. RIP heavy metal soundtracks. We
1: open with I'm awake now the Goo that goo, goo Dolls song. Uh, it lets you know right away that we are in the Goo Goo Dolls <laughs> fucking era of this franchise and metal heavy metal is uh, ostensibly dead to this yeah. to this franchise musically.
0: We're and not even
1: I know you don't like that uh, Iggy Pop song, but not even Iggy Pop bookmarking the end of it could could
0: salvage it. Yeah, we've we've entered the not cool, not rocking timeline of the world that we have continued to be on to this day. And if you're that <laughs> if
1: you're that fucking guy, and this was a thing for
0: a while. I, I
1: haven't heard this argument for a while. But if you're that fucking guy who's like, uh, you know, Goo Goo Dolls used to be a punk band. It's like. <laughs> you fucking turd burglar like
0: <laughs> not
1: really i mean this song fucking sucks and it was like right in smack dab in the middle of their quote-unquote punk phase like well, yeah they, were, they it's, were a punk band for like one or two
0: albums in the 80s and it's
1: like but it's like okay comparatively to like iris yeah i get it but like i okay i've heard heavier Goo, Goo dolls tracks than i'm awake now and it, it's still certainly just fucking just bad i don't even this know is what,
0: yeah this is what you're bringing us this is what you're opening this movie with come, come on. on yeah come on and come on guy that's that
1: wants to somehow defend Goo, Goo dolls at a party by saying they used to be a punk band how does that really i i don't care what the fuck they wrote Iris I think the, Iris is a great song. I think I think that's a good song. So I don't know if one of listeners are punk stuff. I just let me, give me the fucking crybaby bullshit stuff. That's preferable, honestly.
0: You know, you know what would have ruled though? You know who they should have had open up this movie? Ted Nugent. Oh, the, the ten finger bangs of doom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just squibbly blabbly doobly
1: all over this. Yes. <laughs> and I don't want the world to see me. Well, I don't think that they'd understand. Where are you with Iris? You in on Iris? Where are you?
0: Yeah, it's yeah.
1: You can you can say you like Iris. I don't think it would like you would lose points at this point
0: like no okay i'm not i'm not taking a stand on it <laughs> you're you're uh
1: to quote the woman on the plane don't be a pussy <laughs> don't be a pussy iris is a great track um, Okay. if we're talking about 90s stuff in general though spencer with an all-time bad haircut even for 1991 oh, it's like so paul revere meets uh dipshit <laughs> I <don't even> know. <laughs> it's got like Paul Revere ponytail in the front, dipshit slacker dickhead cut in the front. Like, I don't even know that 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 he's got a
0: ponytail in the front. That would be fucking (laughs) shitty (laughs) rock in the front pony.
1: (laughs) Anything would have been better than what what he has. But yeah, lots of bad 90s. I mean, it's 1991. They don't know that it's bad yet, but just lots of bad 90s uh, costume Choices and hair and makeup decisions. I say,
0: oh man! Just if you if you knew what you're all were in for, they just didn't know. Yeah,
1: I can't fault them because they just don't. They're smack dab in the middle of bad, and they don't even know it. Yeah. Go ahead. I thought you had like a litany of bad.
0: Um, I guess I don't have as much as I thought. (laughs) Oh, so yes. Uh I'm sorry, but that ending is whack. That they ended this so shitty. For one, okay <laughs> I'm not, you like, talk about well, go ahead. the weird go ahead. the weird dream demon spermy guys. That sucks. That looks super shitty. And I didn't really even think about this until after like I'd actually solidified in my brain that this was a shitty ending, but it's because of their attempt to make this, you know, a 3d movie that it becomes all the more glaring that it's the, 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 uh, the effects that they're using is very, they don't pull it off the, uh, and I, and I have always thought that about this movie. That was something, even when I first saw it and I, you know, back then I was like overall like, yeah, this movie's fun and everything like that. I don't mind it. And I could never hang with that ending. it's so, so bad and just the fact that not only is I'm I'm assuming like it kind of looks like at this point it's like some real early CGI I'm not really sure what exactly they're doing there to give it that kind of fake uh, appearance but it's not just that that sucks but it's also how they end it with homegirl taking off her 3D glasses and just like laughing and kind of like you know, saying "Ah, Freddy's dead." Like, okay, that's that's how they cap the movie off.
1: Yeah, it's very ham fisted, and it's too. It feels like late, too late in the game to be peddling um, three D shit at this point. Like, yeah, even like early nineties, like we're on the like last vestiges of that shit even being like cool. So it's like weird, and then they. Double down by incorporating it into the movie, like having having uh, Catherine. I don't even know what to fucking call her. I'll just I'll go back to calling her Doctor Mags. Have having her wear the 3D glasses is 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 so strange and and when you like have a 3D movie and you and you just want to show it, this is like showing it off in a way that's that's it, it at a detriment of the movie because it's like yeah. the 3D stuff. Um, like in Friday, the 13th 3d, which I think is fucking awesome. Um, right? but that came out in like 82. So like, we're talking about like 10 years previously, but the cool thing about that is it's like built into the kills, but it's a lot more seamless. And this is like yeah. too ham fisted with the, with 3d bullshit. And the, yeah, the, the dream demons are fucking trash. Like, as if those look cool in 3D, but also the dream demons are the are the Metaclorians of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Like, I don't right. need that level of explanation. Like, the Jedis didn't need that. And Freddy doesn't <laughs> need that. It's just like, now you're going out of your way to fuck things up. He's like, right in some weird like dream demon cult. Like, that's how he... He met these dream demons in hell and they gave him immortality? It's like, get, get fucked. Like, take your metachlorians and take your dream demons and, and fucking shove them. Like, this is... It's trash. It's fucking awful. Awful.
0: Yeah, that's where it starts to go off the rails with, you know, delving further into his backstory and starting to create these other threads that they can't really tie up.
1: Yeah, it's like they... They went too far <laughs> yeah. because I liked the like the kids, uh, the kids taunting him in school um, and all the just all the flashback stuff, all the younger teen, uh, teenage Freddy, all the, the, the younger Freddy. I thought that was all cool. Um, but yeah, then you get the Dream Demon stuff and then you bring Yafet Kodo in to have to f- <laughs> Like a very reliable and 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 sturdy actor to lean your movie on, and you have him in the role of having to fucking try to explain the dream demon shit, and he can't do it because it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> Just poor Kodo. but um, I still play. So to go back to the plan, good plan. I still like the plan. Poor execution. Poor, poor would be execution. would be very kind, Doc. Really takes his sweet fucking time waking up Doctor Mags when she has Freddie. She's like, they're like, oh, she has him. Like they clearly can tell she has him. It's like Doc has no preparation for waking her up. It's like, how did you not have built into this plan a like, uh, you know, a, a
0: small bolt of electricity, something to wake her up immediately? Like, right. That's what I mean. Everybody in this movie that are asleep they're comatose. There's no easy way to wake them up. You can't, you even just by shaking them, you know, aggressively, that's, they're just that, they're that deep in the dream world. But they, but so
1: they show Yafet Kodo's, so doc, uh, Yafet Kodo's character earlier in the movie, uh, asleep because he's doing research or whatever. And then, is ostensibly woken up with like a, a an alarm system that he's rigged up. Why show that and then not rig her up to the same system when right. it counts? It's so weird. It's just bizarre. It's like why not go to the not even the extra mile? Just a, like there she's like, "Oh, he has uh she has him." And Doc's like, "Here we go." Like he has no he has no plan to wake her up. He's, it's so fucking stupid. Terrible execution. Nancy would be pissed.
0: Yeah. Um, so more bads for me. I don't know if you notice this, but overall, I feel like this movie has a considerable lack of a score. There's a lot of parts in this movie where there's just no incidental music, nothing going on. It's just completely quiet, no atmospheric texture being created. And it's very noticeable throughout the movie.
1: Yeah, um, it's especially with everything up to this point because there's been pretty heavy uh, scores, you know, up to the uh, up to this point in the franchise. It, it gives the it gives this one a, a noticeably different vibe. I don't necessarily think it's good or bad, but I did notice it and was like, "This is." strange. Like unless they're playing a Goo, Goo doll song, there's like no music. <laughs> and
0: and some and some funk rock band. Oh, all, yeah. all, these, yeah. all these bad iterations of 90s music that's kind of sprinkled throughout here. Yeah. And then the complete lack of a score. Yeah. So whoever is in in the sound department, the music and sound department, man, fire them retroactively. Get them the fuck off this project.
1: This is definitely scored and or the the songs were organized by uh white guy <laughs> with dreads coming to a party with an acoustic guitar and asking if anyone wants to hear your body is a wonderland
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah or so actually
1: more appropriately him like f- covering like Who Wants to Hear I Shot the Sheriff? Like him doing like Bob Marley covers <laughs> No Woman,
0: no cry. Hey come on <laughs> <laughs> anybody
1: <laughs> yeah so, but i did notice it
0: i don't know if this is, is a good but i did want to point this out did you make note at all or have any opinion about when they do the flashbacks the variations on the Freddy glove that he has a whole room full of implements yeah and, yeah and he has different iterations of the glove and those are things
1: i like i love the tech like those are that i call that kind of shit like textured, uh, you know, textured backstory. Give me little things like that. I love that kind of stuff. It's when you start overthinking it and are like, he ran into these dream demons in hell that granted him immortality for no (laughs) fucking reason. That's when it goes off the rails, but I love those kinds of little tidbits. Yeah. That's shit rules. Um, when when we open the movie, this is the, maybe the worst part of the the movie starts off on this, on this note. And, uh, it's, crazy that it has to recover he, there's a quote at the beginning of the movie what's welcome to primetime bitch and it says oh, freddy krueger <laughs>
0: yeah, <they, they>, <laughs> why are they, they quote,
1: quoting that
0: they quote freddy in the movie
1: it's such a small thing but like the fact that it says freddy krueger like his whole name it's not it doesn't say freddy it's like welcome to primetime bitch Quote, Freddy (laughs) Krueger.
0: Freddy Krueger
1: from four movies ago said, welcome, or three movies ago. What the fuck is going on? Why did they quote that? It's for the people that hadn't
0: seen that movie.
1: Ah, they showed up for, they only showed up for Freddy's death. Like they
0: hadn't seen any from Nightmare on Elm Street movie, but they just wanted to see the death of of Freddy Krueger. I want to meet, I want to meet these people. I want to meet the people out there. please. Please send us a message on Instagram or email us at midnightflixpod at gmail.com for those of you that need to know. uh, Let us know if this is the only installment of the Nightmare in Elm Street series you've seen and tell us why. Give us your, your reasoning. Yeah, what th- kind of maniac are you?
1: <laughs> well, to well, this is funny that we're tying it around to Lynn Shay, but like Lynn Shay's character in Detroit Rock City is the type of person that would only see this. Like, she would go to see the death of of uh I think his name's Jam Jam's mom in Detroit Rock City. She yeah. would go to see the death of Freddie because it ends the it ends the, the senseless violence and the yeah. de, the deterioration of our country
0: through right, rock and so roll. She, she, yeah, they know for sure all that. Yeah, the, the the last vestiges of the moral majority, the Reagan era people. Yes, they're, they're going. Yes. As, <laughs>
1: they're the only <laughs> people. They hadn't seen anything up to this point, but they're celebrating they have, the death. Yeah.
0: They have to see it with their own eyes. He's actually dead.
1: Yes. Yeah. And they're they dragging him back. They're dragging their children who are secretly stoked. They're like, oh, OK, we're going to go see that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you made note of this as well. Uh, speaking of the beginning credits, but are those not the longest intro credits ever? I just very, feel like they they just long. don't end. <laughs> they just very keep long. going,
1: front <laughs> and back ended with with very long credit scenes. Yeah,
0: yeah, unnecessary. So as far as any other bads, I think any of the other bad, bads I have at this point were, are more question. Yeah,
1: bads. yeah, so same, move, same here. We can move, move to into questions. That. Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
0: Yeah, Um, here's my question, and this goes back to the uh, the not quite following through or realizing this plan to, to get Freddy out of the dream or to dispatch Freddy properly. Why is it this is another instance where the people that are there to get get Freddy, give Freddy what he's got coming to him? It, they have this weird assemblage of just improvised weaponry. No, no heavy artillery is ever used. It's like, okay, we got booby traps, we got nunchucks. We, like Yafet Koto actually has nunchucks. You, yeah, you see that well, at the point?
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. You're asking a lot of questions. Well, I know you're not purposely doing this, but your your question is eliciting a lot of thoughts in my in my head because there's there's two there's two answer or, or there's two things that this brought up in my head yes one why why not use why are we using like nicaraguan guerrilla <laughs> tactics it's bizarre
0: it's very strange but it's not even that like nicaraguan like gorillas use they use uh Guns. That's true. They use. That's true. Yeah. They actually use armaments that are appropriate. They're not taking the knife to the fucking gunfight. This is in spades taking the knives to the gunfight here. Well, the throwing stars.
1: That's so. That's the second part of of your question. I know that there's a, they hint at, uh, that Spence, they confiscated a a pipe bomb off of Spencer, right? uh, As if that fucking loser would have been able to figure out how to build a pipe bomb. uh, Like he had access to anarchist cookbook or whatever. Um, So that's (laughs) earlier in the movie. But I, one of my questions that I wrote down was why is there a vast collection of melee weapons at this fucking like child's shelter? But that's the those are the weapons they're using. They're using the confiscated weapons of all of the foster children. Um, but why is there a like vast collection of these melee weapons? Every foster child, like what foster child is being picked up with a with a with a mace or like a, you know, like a morning star. Like what the fuck is going on here? Like what foster child has a morning star on them? yeah morning stars <laughs> maces uh like what is, these foster children all have like medieval weaponry like enough to have an entire cabinet filled with confiscated weaponry because at one point Yafek Kodo says like oh well the police were supposed to come by and, and grab this shit and they didn't or whatever but like it's, it's nuts like all of these foster children are coming in with like throwing stars maces like <laughs> like we got this morning star off of off of chad he's such a he's such a precocious kid
0: yeah it's, it's like yeah hey, is that a morning star in your uh pocket or are you just happy to see me there no oh my now, he's god smuggling that through?
1: <laughs> no chad just has a giant penis so to answer your question there that's not my morning yes, star.
0: That's, that's, that's shaped not Chad's spiky. morning star. Uh, but yeah, yes. Bulbous and spiky.
1: That is my main question is how the, why the fuck they have so many weapons. But that answers your question. Like, why aren't they using more sophisticated weaponry? Well, because they're only using the, the weapons that were confiscated off of children. But that, that, that leads to the next question, which is why is all the weapons why do our children have, why do children have weapons and why are they all, uh, game of Thrones inspired? I don't know. It's so <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking weird.
0: Yeah. But yeah, luckily they had that pipe bomb because otherwise they would have been fucked.
1: Yeah. And, and that's, and that's another really lazy, uh, that does, the movie does a really lazy job of that, like making a big deal out of that the pipe bomb was confiscated off of him earlier in the movie, and then using it as a catalyst for his death or later in the movie. That just it was just kind of fucking lazy.
0: Well, did, have you ever bothered to think that of all the the big three uh, slasher franchise villains, um, this is the only one that I can recall where there's never any sort of um, Firearms used on on the villain at all in any of the three, right? This is the only one because in Halloween, Michael Myers gets shot a oh, bunch.
1: Well, yeah, okay, so guns, yeah, it, yeah. I'm, I'm and thinking like.
0: 13th, Jason gets shot in some hmm. of them. I know that. Well, if Jason, one, they
1: they use like uh, grenade launchers and shit on Jason in the later. Later, they, right? they, they literally try to and, blow him up,
0: right? Which is that's I buy that. Like, yes. if you're dealing with this bad of a motherfucker, why don't why don't you got the the grenade launchers? Right. Why are you bringing the heavy artillery to the fight? Well, but here so it's I, so- I,
1: I think to answer your question is he Freddie is specifically only strong in the dream world. As soon as you bring him into our reality. He's just a ninety pounds soaking wet bitch ass dude that he <laughs> gotcha. is. Like he's just fucking like boiler room incel guy. Like <laughs> so you bring him in and yeah, okay. You don't need like necessarily very sophisticated weaponry. Like a, a Morning Star is actually probably a little overkill.
0: Yeah, you just have like a teenage girl uh, booby trap her house, and you're good to go.
1: Yeah, a, sledgeham- uh, a sledgehammer, for- yeah, uh, in the uh, in the foray, foray. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's an interesting thought to have because on the one hand, Freddy in his dream realm, yeah, is like the baddest motherfucker of all of them. But then, yeah, you pull him in reality, and he's just he ain't up for snuff. No, he's just a little bitch. Huh. You know, I never really had that thought until now. So thank you for bringing that up. The dichotomy there. in His character. Well, and it did make me think of this. This is a question I had that maybe you noticed. Did you notice that they retconned his death improperly in this? Because when they flash back, they flash back that they're burning him alive essentially in a cabin. But he gets burned alive in his boiler room. That's what they say in the first one. They, yeah. they tracked him down in his boiler room and then they burned him alive. I'm not sure what that was then. You know what I'm talking about, though, no, right? I
1: do. I, I do. I don't have an explanation as to why they would have retconned that. So Because uh, that looks cooler than a boiler room. It doesn't even look cooler. So I don't though? even know. That, no, it doesn't.
0: It, no, it doesn't. <laughs>
1: So, Why would uh, Doctor Mags trust the kids to drive the van back to the shelter on their own? <laughs> She's like, take right. the, take this van back. They just tried to run away by stowing in the van, and now you're giving them the van. <laughs> that's terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: makes also, no sense. Do
0: any of them even have a
1: license? But that, that didn't make any sense. It's crazy.
0: There, so that's where there is some continuity issues with this. Uh, you know, I. They did want to talk about the house that they go to whose house is this
1: it's freddy's back? it's Freddie's house
0: that that big house is Freddie's house
1: yeah so that's the house he lived in when he was murdering the children that so it's not okay. a childhood home it's his like adult home before sure, he sure. got caught
0: okay because that's one thing that I, I guess I've always missed and I, I never thought about until now. Like, what, no, the they, they say they
1: something home? like this is Freddy's home or whatever. I don't know. They're still sussing out who Freddy is because these these kids don't know him outside of John Doe.
0: Yeah. OK. <laughs> Did you know that apparently John Doe uh, is supposed to meet Jacob from The Dream Child? They're oh. trying to tie that in. Do they make a hint at that? No, that's just something I, I read. In oh,
1: just headcanon stuff, fan, fan fiction?
0: Fan trivia, or mm. that's what they were – the writers were trying to tie these in that way.
1: Because this does take place way later than Dream Child, so he would have grown up to be whatever. Right. Nah, that makes sense.
0: Also, I don't know if you knew this, that uh, um, they originally tapped Peter Jackson to write the script for this. Wow.
1: Why would he have even been on their radar in 91 had Bad Taste come out?
0: Yeah, I think so. Bad Taste and, and, um, uh, what's the other one? Not Meet the Feebles. Well, Dead Alive? Bad Taste and Dead 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 Alive are the first. you're right. Dead Alive Alive came out in 1992, so you're right. So, Bad (laughs) Taste is is
1: 87. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the dead alive is 92. So that's, huh. that's, uh, some, that's some crazy shit because based on bad taste, I don't think anyone would be like, you're going to be the next best, the next great director. Right. <laughs> I love bad taste, but bad taste is a, is a fun schlocky romp. It's not like a, it wouldn't show any sort of directorial s- sophisticatedness.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um, but that's interesting. Mm-hmm. A town without any kids. Cause they, they show like, so, Elm, uh, uh, so what they reveal revealed the name of the town to be what? Springwood or whatever. Yeah.
0: Um, Springwood. So that's Spring- been revealed before. I thought have they no, called I guess it not. Springwood before, I guess you're right. No, uh, this is the first time they call it Springwood. Okay. I, I didn't know for
1: sure, but I didn't, I, I know they always say like Elm street or whatever, but I didn't think they ever named the town until now, but it's true. Yeah. Anyway, Springwood, um, is uh, portrayed as a bunch of adults who have, go, you know, kind of they're like in this sort of psychosis with all the children being gone. Um, yeah, like they're all just like, like <laughs> classic crazy
0: chipper and idiots, <laughs> yeah, chipper <jibbering> and
1: idiots. <laughs> when in reality, a town without any kids would be like hedonism resort town. Like, I would have a beer and a dick in my mouth. Like, sign me up, that sounds great. Ripping shots, sucking titties, might fucking jerk that dude off later. Hedonism, baby. It wouldn't I wouldn't be fucking straight
0: jacket in a in a padded room. Come on. Yeah, this is this is the version of children of men that we need. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why does it of, always gotta be why does the dystopia always gotta be, oh, if we don't have kids, it's just gonna suck. What <laughs> the reality is you'd be like, yeah, no fucking kids, party time. No
1: fucking kids. My Hawaiian oh. shirt is buttoned all the way down. I'm <laughs> I'm taking reservations for a suck and fuck for (laughs) anybody doesn't matter. You know that that's the reality of that situation i wouldn't be like in some sort of
0: catatonic state oh man what i can't have this drain on my income and my time oh my god i'm gonna go insane what i can't have this being that keeps me awake all night and is constantly needy oh my god oh my god what a terrible world Somewhere between
1: the crying baby in a racer head and like, (laughs) you know, whatever, some utopian version of 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 children filling your house with laughter is the is the truth, because earlier in the day, Ripley was playing upstairs and and laughing. And I was thinking like how it brought it just warmed my heart to have uh, her, you know, her joy in the house. I love my kids, but I'm thinking like counting down to when they're both like of adult age and then can start giving back to fucking all the shit that I've given them. That's really that. <laughs> That's really all I'm counting down for. So <laughs> but yeah,
0: time to cash in those chips.
1: Yeah, try, yeah, time to cash it in. But that was my thought with yeah, with the, with the town. Good thought. Any other questions? That's it. My other question was, why does John so confidently believe he's Freddie's child with little to no evidence? He's like absolutely sure of it. And he has no reason to other than the only basis of his reasoning is that he's the last one left alive. And so he thinks like, well, Freddie didn't kill me because I'm his child. So I guess that's the answer to that. But but
0: that's that was his thought. He's very confident
1: about it. And it's proves to be his demise. Um but that yeah I, I don't I don't have any.
0: Well, oh, go ahead. Well, I did want to say this. Did you have the thought I, that this was a missed opportunity with that beginning scene where he's on the plane that because even though I had watched this movie, you know, quite a bit and feel like it hadn't been that long since I have watched it before, I kept feeling that they were going to try and do a uh Twilight Zone, the movie reference <laughs> with the airplane and see yeah, like 20, Freddy 000. out on the wing. You nightmare, know what I mean?
1: on, nightmare on twenty thousand at 10, twenty thousand feet. Yeah. That, that would have been cool. There's a there's a Freddy on the wing. Yeah. <laughs> <Next> <laughs> I thought that, that would have been a really funny uh, callback, but I think they needed it to be more se- I don't know how you segue. Out of that, I guess, unless and that, uh, I guess the perfect way. Yeah, exactly. He He wakes up on the plane. He wakes wakes up. up, Ah, get
0: me out of this plane! Yeah, why the fuck? Yeah,
1: now that now that we kind of talked it out, big, huge missed opportunity.
0: So let that's when we make money off of this podcast in twenty years, we can remake Freddy's Dead way we want to see it
1: yes with with with, uh with freddy on the wing and springwood being a hedonism resort town
0: (laughs) and then blowing freddy away with a fucking grenade launcher
1: yes yes those are all the (laughs) retcons we would have
0: so do we want to
1: with these new movies in the in the vault yes let's rank uh the franchise up to this point um so, so go with ahead. The last we, one. We, yeah. 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 We both came to the same conclusion, right? We right, have pretty one, much one, three, four, two is the, our order.
0: Right. And I think we're going to have this. We're going to be in line still with this one.
1: I don't think we will because I changed my opinion on that ranking. No, no, not, not on Mike. Having watched, oh. having watched these, I oh. actually have moved two ahead of four. So
0: okay, so you went back and
1: switched. So we that. Did, we, but we did talk about like I could even put two ahead of four, and I actually, in retrospect, I thought, you know what, it if push came to shove, and I had to rewatch one of them, I'd rather I'd rather watch two. So
0: fair enough, I'm 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 right there with you.
1: So, but where I, what is your list then? Having added these,
0: you know what I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go with your. I hate to be a copycat. I hate. I hate to be a a, fo- a follower and not a leader here. But I feel like I'm with you. We need to go back to switching those two. So one, three, two, four, six, five.
1: Yes, that's yeah. what I have. Yeah. Okay. That's what I have. Perfect. And we're f- vibing. It's it's not even those. That's all very definitive. Like six is better than five. Four is better than six. Two is better than four. Three is better than two. One is better than three. Like, I I like that. That, That's great. I think one, three, two, six, four, five is we're in the fucking zone. Nice. Let me see if I can do this without fucking it up. So we've got the first Nightmare on Elm Street, then Dream Warriors, then Freddy's Revenge. Right. Then uh, Dream Master. Correct. Th- then Freddy's Dead, then Dream Child. Yep.
0: The Final Nightmare, which that's another thing in the title itself. They don't call it Nightmare on Elm Street 6. They just call it Freddy's Dead, The Final A Nightmare. The Final
1: Nightmare, yeah. Yeah. And
0: then The Dream Child.
1: Well, I'm proud of myself for knowing which number is correlated with which zany title. Um,. <laughs> So, we, uh, we wrap up the series next week with, personally, two of my fucking absolute favorites. New Nightmare and um, Freddy versus Jason, which uh, we had an off-mic argument, um, but I will concede that, yes, uh, canonically are outside of, uh, outside of the, the, the Nightmare Elm Street canon, but standalone really fucking strong strong movies love them absolutely fucking love them
0: this will be an interesting discussion for sure because yes, i don't feel I don't, feel, I don't
1: uh, see us being on the same page um yeah but uh that's fine and uh i think that makes for a good discussion
0: yeah so till next time See you then Bring
1: your daughter
0: To the slaughter Bring your daughter You, you know who would have Really made that song better <laughs> Ted <laughs> Nugent Ted Nugent I want to hear the Ted Nugent cover Of Bring Your Daughter to Slaughter <laughs> Because like that dude That dude legit was all about Bringing some daughters to something
1: some sort of slaughter
0: to slaughter on his his penis his penis slaughter good. (laughs) (laughs) he he wants to bring he wants to legit adopt your daughter legally adopt your daughter so he can slaughter her on his penis
1: yeah but he only really gets off on all of the really like the red tape and all the paperwork of having to adopt like he comes at the, at the initialing. Yeah, all the pages that he has to initial makes him hard. He loves, that's, that's, he loves yeah, bureauc- that's, bureaucratic <laughs> paperwork.
0: <laughs> that has nothing to do no. with any sort of like actual sexual power. No, dynamic not at all. He's like, like where do, do I sign?
1: Where do day? I initial?
0: Oh, do no, I have to oh, initial? I, I don't <laughs> even know. Uh, yet. Uh, 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 <laughs> make me initial on page four. <laughs> So you heard it here, folks. Uh, Ted Nugent has a bureaucracy kink.
1: <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is great shit that's not even going to make the fucking episode. That's fine.
0: No, that is totally going on. Oh, don't worry. Good. I'm not We're, cutting that out. Is, is this mic on? Can you do yeah, that I on television? Check, check. <laughs> This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for providing our intro music. And uh, so next week we're going to discuss The New Nightmare and Freddy versus Jason to tie a nice bow on our Flixtober series for this year uh, of Our Lord 2021. This year of Our Lord COVID 19, mm. our new Lord our and new Master. Lord. Uh so yeah, tune in next time and join us when she's your two get better know the wall i change saying